Well, grace and peace to you wherever you're at this morning. Uh, I want to start by reading, following up on the Mad Libs, we're going to start by reading Scripture and hearing all of Scripture. We're not going to cut out any verbs. We're not going to change them around or any nouns or anything like that. We're going to talk about participles for sure later. But wherever you are this morning, I'd ask if you're in a place or a position to do that. Maybe you're in your bathrobe for the fall season. Um, But uh, you stand and read the word of the Lord with us this morning. In chapter 21, beginning in verse 23. Matthew 21, beginning in verse 23. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked. And who gave you this authority? And Jesus replied, I will ask you one question, and if you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe this? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Then he said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. Will you pray with me wherever you are? Father, we've heard your word this morning. I just ask that you get me out of the way, uh, that your word, the authority of your son, that his wisdom and guidance, his life eternal, empowered into us, engrafted into us through the giving of the Holy Spirit, will convict our hearts this morning you will build us up if we need built up, that you will comfort those who need comfort this morning. Father, you are, you are wise, and you are kind and generous, and we come to hear you this morning. It's through your Spirit and the Son we pray. Amen. It's a great passage. We're continuing through the series of Mad Libs, but it's a great passage for Matthew 21. I don't know if you've ever I heard this before. Maybe you've never come across it. I noticed when I was studying this week that as I got into this passage and I was asked to preach on it, I was like, I know I've read all of Matthew before. I've done the whole Bible in a year thing before, right? So I know I've read this passage, but man, I don't remember this passage at all. And yet here it is, this wonderful passage about Jesus and his authority And I I just want to set the stage as we jump right into it this morning. And if you don't have it open in front of you, I'd ask that you go ahead and find your Bibles, open them up, Matthew 21. If you're watching on your smartphone, maybe you can grab another tablet or another device and you can Google it and look up that text too because we're going to look at some of the words that are in here and really follow along in it. It starts with this question, right? This question from the the teachers of the law, from the lead figures of the religious authority in Jerusalem, those that are in the temple, the leading figures, and they ask, by what authority are you doing these things? It's an interesting question, but it starts in verse 23 with this, and if you miss it, you'll miss the whole context. Jesus entered the temple courts. Now let's remember In Matthew's account of the gospel, when was the last time Jesus was in the temple courts? Well, last Sunday, Brooks covered that in his sermon. But the last time Jesus was in the temple, do you know what he was doing? He was absolutely destroying the place. 
He was turning over the tables. He was taking a whip and driving out all the merchants and all the livestock that were in there. He was flipping the place upside down. It was a whole different version of a home makeover, right? And he was calling, calling out the religious authorities and leaders. And so Jesus does all of that, and then he leaves, and he goes out, and we have the whole story of the fig tree that happens there. And then Jesus enters, and this is what Matthew says, Jesus enters back into the temple courts. Now I want you to think about that. If you went into like, let's say, well, let's, let's even say let's, you came into church, and you uh, stomped over here this morning and kicked over all the chairs that are in here and all of the video cameras and all of the microphones. And maybe you went into my office and trashed my office and went into the student room and kicked all this stuff over. And then you left. And you, you, know, you were kind of spouting, this is the house of God, all these kind of things. And then you left. Well, the next time you showed up at the door and you hit the little button to get in, I don't know if Della's just going to so easily let you through the door. At least she's going to say, so-and-so's back. And here's what happens when Jesus gets ready to enter back as he's entering into the temple courts, Matthew says. There are the religious authorities and the teachers of the law ready to meet him and confront him. They are the authorities, they believe, not Jesus. And they ask him this question. By what authority are you doing these things? What gives you the power They ask, and who gave you this authority? Was it one of the Roman emperors? Uh, Did you have authority from Pontius? Was it authority from where? From who? Where did it come from? And it's interesting because they're trying to trap Jesus, right? What they want Jesus to say is what he's eventually going to say in Matthew 28. We're going to get to that passage in a little while, that God is the source of his authority. But they want to hear it themselves so they can move him towards blasphemy, what they regard as blasphemy. And in doing so, will be able to kill him. And so they ask him this question, what authority? It's a great, it's a great question. It makes us wonder it today too, doesn't it? What authority? By whose authority? What and who? These two different question words. I don't know if you have noticed this yet, but we're in a sermon series called Mad Libs. And there is a madman running around in a red sequined jacket doing Mad Libs for us. And I asked him uh, this week, we were talking about uh, question words, and I was thinking about these question words as you fill out Mad Libs. They're a fun game to do. But what's the the different questions? If you're on Zoom this morning, um, or if you're you're with us on Facebook Live or you're through the feed um, this morning, I want you to put down, if you've been in Zoom classrooms this week, maybe you've been helping students or something, but do you remember our question words that we learned in English as growing up? If you do, go ahead and type type those down and in there. Who, what, when, where, why, and for extra credit, a thousand bonus internet points is how. Those are our predominant question words. I've been wondering, do the questions we ask primarily as people change and influence how we think about the world around us? I think so. And I think if you pay attention to people that are around you or you're maybe married or in a big family or maybe at your workplace, we're all asking just a little bit of a different question, aren't we? See, some of us are when people. And maybe you're sitting there this morning and you're like, 
how long is he going to go preaching this morning? How long is the stream going to be this morning? Uh, can I make it in time to switch over to the football game, the early football game today? That's like a win person kind of question, right? Or, or maybe you saw somebody pop in on the Facebook uh, down below and you're like, oh, I haven't talked to that person in like two weeks and they're my really good friend. And I had this thing that happened with my cat this morning. I need to tell her all about it. So I'll go ahead and shoot her a message right now off to the side. You might be like a who kind of person. Or, or maybe um, you are sitting there and you have your list in front of you and you have checked off go to church this morning, and now you're starting to work on your grocery list that you're going to ship off uh, to one of the grocery delivery services later, right? And you might be a what person, or maybe uh, you are trying to figure out how it is possible that I'm standing here and you're now watching me online. And just a second ago, you had Adam up here with the Lasleys that were also on, in on a phone call. And then, but it was like a Zoom phone call or like there was other people there. And what camera did they use to do that? And like, how is there a video going on at the same time? And he plays that right before. And then suddenly the band's going to come up on stage. And if you're thinking about all those things, you are probably kind of a how person and if you're sitting there thinking, they keep doing this Mad Lib thing, why? You might be a why person. And finally, if you're just sitting there wherever you are today, daydreaming that you're on a beach in Florida, you are probably a where person. But it's, it's important either way. What are the questions we ask? What are the primary foundational questions that we ask? For Jesus, the primary question is a who. It's a who question. See, Jesus won't get trapped. He won't get caught up in the trap of the teachers of the law. See, here's the problem. Jesus can answer the question they're asking. They're asking him, where does your, power, where does your authority come from? From who does it come from? Jesus can answer that question. He's going to in Matthew chapter 28. He's going to say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's been given to me from the Father. But here's the problem. If he answers the questions of the teachers of the law here, then who is the one really in authority in this conversation? It's the teachers of the law, isn't it? And it's Jesus submitting to them. So instead, he turns the tables. He flips it. And look what he says as he replies in verse 24. I will also ask you one question. And if you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. So he flipped. they come to him with this question, and he says, I'll ask you only one question. If you answer that question, then I'll tell you the authority, and you can do with me what you like. And, he, and they discussed it. He, he asked this question, John's baptism. Now let's remember, John the Baptist is, came before Jesus, and he like led the way to Jesus' ministry coming. And he had gone about the region. He had gone, been known throughout Jerusalem as a calling to repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And he called upon the Israelite people, to repent of the direction they were going, and to return to God's way. And now he used the teaching of the Old Testament to do that. In other words, the Israelites should have, if they had heard his message, repented and come back. And many of them did. Okay, and so Jesus asked the teachers of the law. He said, John's baptism, where did it come from? 
Was it from heaven or of human origin? Literally, was it from heaven or of the earth? And they discussed it among themselves. And they said, if we say from heaven, then he's going to say, then why didn't you believe him? See, the teachers of the law, the authorities, they didn't repent. They didn't come back to God. They believed the things were the way they should be. Of course they did. They were the ones in power, the ones with authority. And so they didn't repent. And so if they answer, yes, it was from heaven, then that means they were wrong. And then, but if we say of human origin, we are afraid of who? The people. We are afraid of the people. For they all hold that John was a prophet. It's an interesting thing. Authority. These, these statements of authority, where does authority come from? See, I think, I think more often in our life, the authority in our life is more closely related to the authority of the teachers of the law than it is to the authority espoused by Jesus. I mean, really, really take a second in your life. Who are the voices that you listen to? Who has authority in your life? My wife and I have been traveling for a couple of days, and it's been interesting as we've gone uh, in different places that every like state that you're in, you will see a statement on the door concerning COVID, right? And all of those statements are different by the state because each of them, some of them will say, by order of the governor, and then if they really disagree, um, usually you'll get this, by order of our esteemed governor, or you'll get some other sarcastic language. But authority, who has the authority to put these elements in place? It's a question we're asking a lot of our culture and our society right now. Who has the authority to order a no-knock warrant? Who has the authority to make me wear a mask or not wear a mask? Who has the authority to select the next Supreme Court justice? You get all these questions of authority that surround us all the time. And sadly enough, I think for many of us, we never really reflect on genuinely where authority comes from. Instead, we're like the teachers of the law who submit, really, to two different authorities. The first, you see, is very clear. It's the second one I want us to look at in verse 26. But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the people. See, the authority of the teachers of the law came in being able to control the people, the crowds. Uh, this is what Sky Jathani calls the platform of authority. Like the more people that follow you, the more authority that you have. Sky Jathani has this quote in his wonderful little book called Immeasurable. He says, the logic is simple. The magnitude of your platform determines the weight of your authority. Someone with an audience of one million has more authority than a person with an audience of 100. The assumption we make, and this is where the trouble comes, is that a larger platform is a result of the person's competency, intelligence, or character. In the past, this may have been the case, although I doubt it. Generally, large platforms were granted to those who had proven their authority. Today, Authority is granted to those who have simply proven they can build a platform. 
think about this in your own life. When you go to YouTube to look something up, how do you choose which video you watch? Most often, for most of us, it's who has the most watches. Which video has been viewed the most number of times? Because if they've been viewed the most, then they are the most authoritative on that issue, that subject, or whatever it might be. I want you to just think how absurd and how silly that really is. If so, then like one of the top five viewed videos of all time is Baby Shark. Is Baby Shark the true authority in our life? Pink Fong? I think the company's named Pink Fong. I have a toddler in my house, two toddlers. We, we just got over the Baby Shark thing not long ago. But I want you to think about like how often you hear that and you think it's true. Think about like, uh, Sky Jathani makes this illustration. It's wonderful. Think about like Oprah's show when it was still on and she would do her favorite thing show and she would be like, this camera is the greatest or this TV is the greatest. Well, is it because she was an expert in those areas of technology that she made those decisions? No, and yet everybody listened to her suggestions. The same with her reading list, right? Why? Because she had the largest platform. It's, it's really pretty absurd, and it's especially assur- absurd if you reflect on the life of Jesus' own ministry. See, time and time again, when Jesus' ministry, his earthly ministry, grows and grows and grows, he ups the ante, and in doing so, the crowds reduce, reduce, reduce. Even in the Gospel of John, the reason that Jesus finally says his hour has come, his time for the crucifixion has finally come, is because one of his disciples brings, one of his apostles, brings the Gentiles. That's this kind of crazy quote. The Gentiles want to meet with you. They want to talk with you. And Jesus says, my hour has finally come. Why? Because his popularity is about to boom. No longer will he be an obscure prophet in Galilee backwoods, small town Galilee, Now he's about to be globally known and recognized. If you watch any movies on famous characters, this is the great turning point, right? Where they finally become known. They become as popular as anybody is ever going to be. But for Jesus instead, this is the moment where he must become isolated on the cross and fulfill the calling that God has made for him. See, it's not his popularity that makes Jesus an authority. What are the other authorities? One of the other authorities is the authority, and if we're honest with ourselves, it's the authority of self that we think we have primary authority in our lives. This is the culmination of Western thought, right? The autonomous individual, the one who can make it on their own. Nobody's going to tell me what to do or how to do it. I can achieve it all on my own. And we even, we're really, I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we think this. Like, wouldn't the world in all of its turmoil, in all of the things going on out there today, wouldn't the world be a much better place if everybody just did what I think they should do? I am the supreme authority. That's how the teachers of the law really are, right? Because they can't repent. They can't turn and repent. They have set up and established their own source of authority within themselves. And yet... When it comes to the authority of the self, it's pretty humorous, really. It's laughable 
Because not only are we not <laughs> to be known as authorities for the whole world out of ourselves, right? But like, we're not even good at knowing ourselves. We're not even a good authority on our own self. And if you don't believe that's true, just let me ask you this simple question. What do you want for lunch? You don't immediately know. You have to think about it. You want to talk to somebody else about it? Maybe you're hoping somebody else will make something for you for lunch. Either way, it recognizes, it shows that really we don't even know ourselves well enough to be authority on ourselves. nevertheless having a divine global perspective in the world. See, those are, those are authorities that come, those authorities come from earthly origin. But God has something different in store. If you turn with me to Matthew 28, I've been wondering why that text in Matthew 21 is there. Why is it that you have this story that has no answer? Did you notice that? Jesus never gives an answer. It's one of the great things about that story. It just like lingers there. They come in, whose authority? What authority? And it it never gets an answer. It just hangs on in the text. And, And then Jesus eventually goes to the crucifixion, right? And he goes to his death and he takes the weight of the world upon himself in his death. And then he's brought, he's resurrected. He's glorified, and his disciples come to him. And then Matthew 28 is one of the great texts in all of Scripture. It's one that many people know well, especially verse 19, which says, Therefore, go and make disciples. But before Jesus says that, there's a part that's often cut off in this text. Then, in verse 18, Jesus came to them, and he said, All authority. Some authority, a little bit of authority, authority only in the compartments and departments that we think you should have authority over religious life, maybe some spirituality, but definitely none of the rest. No, Jesus says all authority from where? In heaven and on earth. This is the thing that blows me away with God. God is this omnipotent, omniscient Father. He knows all. He is all-powerful. He has supreme, full authority. And and if I was God and I'm not, and that's so great, it's so good that I'm not God, right? Because, like, if I had supreme authority in this world, I would just make everybody do what I wanted them to do, right? Like, no questions asked. I know you want to know the why and the when and the what and the how and all those things, but I don't care about any of that. Why? Because I'm the one in supreme authority, and as the supreme authority figure, you just do what I tell you to do. But that's not God. It might be my parenting style from time to time, but it's not God's. God displays his full authority by giving over his son to us. He takes the authority from heaven and fills it with earth, with humanness. He comes to us because some of us are why people and what people and when people and where people and how people. And God says, I have answers for all of those things. And even though in my supreme authority I can make my will be done, I've come to embody life. 
I've come to embody and taste and touch and experience all things. So that when I speak from authority, it's an authority that knows you and knows who you are. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Are you glad that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus? Are you? I sure am. Because it means that he has the authority to fulfill the promises that he's made. He promises to forgive us of our sins. And guess what? He has the authority to do that. He promises us, free us from the bondage of decay, and he has authority to do that. He has the authority to wipe away every tear from our eye, to promise there will be no more pain or no more suffering, no more divisiveness. He promises all of those things, and because he has supreme authority, he is the one who can do it. And that also means that when it comes to my life and my decisions, Jesus is the supreme authority all authority in heaven and on earth. It'd be very easy to mad-lib this text from here on out. To say all, heaven and on, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, and then we can fill in the rest. And I think most of us do if we're honest with ourselves. Jesus is given authority, therefore we should do this and this and this and this and this. But he doesn't madlib it. He gives it very specifically. Listen to this in verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This text you've heard so many times. And I just want to tell you, like, it looks like there's command after command in here, but it's pretty interesting. There's actually two types of words that are going on here. He says, therefore, go. He says, make disciples. He says, baptizing them. And he says, teaching them, okay? And what you have are participles. You need to know this for next week's Mad Lib. You have participles, which are a verbal noun, which actually, when Adam opened the show, uh, opened the service, the Mad Lib show this morning, he was not asking for a verb. He was asking for a participle. That's right. We needed a participle there, which is ends in ing, ing, something ing, right? And so there are three participles and one imperative verb. An imperative means you tell somebody to do something. And here's the crazy thing. In, the, in NIV, in our English, we translate go as an imperative, but it's not. It's a participle. Really what he's saying is, therefore, as you are going, and the only imperative is make disciples. And then the participles of baptizing them and teaching them. I think that's a command for us today. All authority has been given to Jesus. And he says through that authority, what he wants for your life is to make disciples. Who is a disciple? What's it mean to be a disciple? In the base level, in its simplest definition, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. It is a student, a student of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I feel like the world is in such a crazy place. There's so much turmoil. And every time I think we're like going to break through to the other side, it seems like something else gets added on to that. Does anybody else feel that way right now? And the hardest part for me, I'm a, I'm a what kind of, I'm a what and a why kind of person, right? Like I want to, I want to do something about it. 
I want to take my stand or, or make my voice be heard. or I, want to, I just want to do something about it, right? And so I like, I don't know, I pick it or I scream or I post on Facebook or I do whatever it might be. But Jesus has called me with authority in my life very specifically to an action. And honestly, if I've read this text, I've been so convicted because that action he has with authority called me to do, I have not been doing. I've been dismissive of in light of trying to accomplish other things on my own. And that activity is discipling, teaching other people. Not teaching them my way to do things, but bringing them to the ultimate supreme teacher, Jesus himself. If you want peace in this world, maybe the solution is bringing people to the prince of peace. Do you take serious his authority in your life? If so, that looks like disciple-making. Will you pray with me? Father, we have such a hard time submitting to anyone or anything. For many of us, honestly, the inner turmoil of even submitting to ourselves is difficult. Nevertheless, to submit to your authority. And yet, for those of us who profess faith in, we, in you, we know that you call us to submitting to your authority. Father, your authority is supreme. Through the resurrection, you've affirmed that in our lives and give us, give us a heart and a spirit to listen and to submit and to trust that your way is the right way. In all areas of our life where we have not submitted to your authority yet, Father, we fall on our knees and we ask for repentance and we confess and we say, make us your disciples. Father, we bring to mind specifically those people that you have put in our life that you have even already in our hearts said, man, that, that person needs to know Jesus. That person could use Jesus. We've already had that internally, but we've been too scared, too scared that the crowds would think differently of us. So, Father, we repent and we bring those people to you today. Give us the opportunity to share with them the teachings of your son, Jesus. It's through his name and his power and his authority that we come to you today. Amen.